Love you, Marco. Uh, more impressions, please. <laughs> I like your stuff. It's much more spicy and interesting. Where the hell did that come from? Oh, I love you, Marco. Oh, my God. You're a great interviewer, great conversationalist. I just never forgot you. <laughs> <laughs> Babble Bullshit and Beyond is a new podcast hosted by me, Marco Kiris, a man coming out of the shadows after a long decade working with Nicolas Cage, or as I like to call it, my cage wage world. Just some fluff and then some stuff on the party that unites us through pop and all things Hollywood. Today on the show, we have Elise Murray, a young playwright and book author who is starting out with a Christmas book and a bang. A native of New Orleans, but currently residing in London with her fiancé, we caught up with her via Skype before her L.A. promo tour. Hi, honey. Wow, you look great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. I'm so happy to see you, Elise. You look lovely, just well, like you. in your photos. <laughs> <laughs> how's, uh, how's everything? It's all good. It's all good. I'm getting ready to go to L.A. I was just packing and running some last-minute errands earlier, and everything is good so far. But you look great, kid. Thank you very you much. You look amazing. You. I'm training for a half marathon right now, so uh, wow. hopefully I'm looking fresh and, you are. and all that. I did. I went and run this morning. I did six miles. You did six miles? Mm-hmm. I have never done six miles. <laughs> six miles. It was long, and it was cold. But it was really nice to get home and have a shower. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it made it all worth it. Wow, that's amazing. Good for you. Good thank for you. you. Um, Elise, thank you for coming on um, on Babel Bullshit and Beyond. Which I, I like to keep it on that fluffy level because it reflects my hairdo. And I got to keep it on that level all the time. You can be the intelligent one. I'm just like the fluffy flopper. So we're going to go on that. Elise, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I'm very proud of you. Um, the audience doesn't know of, of your accomplishments yet, but I'm, I'm probably one of your biggest fans other than your mama. Um, <laughs> I truly am one of your biggest fans because I, I love young people working really hard and focusing on their goals and really coming through with them. And it's such a young age and that's kind of like where you're at. So to me, it's really exciting to, to see that and I, I couldn't wait to boast about you. So uh, you are definitely the youngest guest um, I've ever had. I didn't think I would go there, but you're, you're an amazing human being. So I'm gonna start by asking a few little questions and then please correct me as I may make some mistakes. Um, you were born and raised in New Orleans, is that correct? Yes, that's right. Coming from a, a Christian faith background for the most part, is that correct or is that wrong? Not, uh, so my grandparents, my mom's parents were um, Church of Christ, okay. um, but they weren't really practicing and my dad and um, my mom and dad never really practiced. My mom was always, she was Church of Christ as well, but um, we always went to Catholic Mass on Christmas just because we thought it was pretty. Okay. Like, um, so I went to Christian schools, but um, wasn't really so much raised like in a Christian household. Um, but Christmas has always been like kind of a big part of um, just who I am and loving Christmas and I think I like the kind of spectacle of Christmas and the way it makes people feel more than anything else. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I love Christmas for the spirituality of it. Uh, a bit of a glam. I, I like everything being decorated. To me, Christmas is my favorite time of the year. I don't care how cold it is up here in Toronto. It's just, I love walking around in the snow and knowing that there are Christmas lights out. It just brings this this real closeness of human neighborhood reality to human to, to people, which I wish were all year long, but it's not. 
And uh, I just, I want it to be spread throughout the 12 years. And I know that that's who you are as a person. So you are this Christmas girl all the time. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, do you have brothers and sisters? I have uh, three younger sisters. Oh. Um, so they're all half sisters. Um, I have Elizabeth, who I think is turned 17 this past year. She's she's so old now. Ah. Um, I have Nia and Lila, who are... Um, Oh gosh, 12, almost 13 and 10 respectively. So got big age gaps, but um, they're all really great, really smart girls. And uh, they're all my dad's and my stepmom's children. Um, so they're all great. Wow, wow, good good for you. And you're all very close, right? Um, we It's it's weird because I grew up basically like an only child um, because of the age difference and because of the fact that um, we all were kind of spread out. You know, I was living with my mom and the other ones were living with my dad and their moms. Um, I wasn't so much, we weren't raised really in sort of like a, a sisterly okay. kind of like okay. part. Um, I think we're close. Like we have really good relationships and we hang out and we talk and we're always on, you know, Instagram or Twitter or whatever, talking to each other. But um, because we weren't really raised in the same house and because we're all kind of distant now, um, we're not... Not that we're not close, we're just, we weren't raised in that kind of like, everyone was in the house fighting and, yeah. you know, doing the girls growing up together thing. We didn't have to share a bathroom and worry about stealing each other's straighteners or anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little different, but um, still very good. They're all totally precious and I love them. That's nice. It's nice to hear. And and everybody's in New Orleans, is that right? No, actually, oh. um, Elizabeth lives um, with her mom in New York. Mm. Um, she grew up in Alabama um, um, and then... My two youngest sisters live with my dad in California. Um, my dad oh, wow. owns a vineyard, and um, they make wine. They make Flambeau Vineyard wine, and so they live on this kind of beautiful, you know, we've got grapes growing everywhere, and it's a very cool way to grow up. I'm a little bit jealous. Um, huh. So, yeah, well, we're all a little bit spread out, but uh, it's good. I go home as much as I can to see all of them, and very good stuff. That's exciting. I was just in Napa Valley in uh, in August. I'd never been there before, and it was phenomenal. I went to three vineyards with some friends, and uh, it was nice. I was staying in the Palo Alto area, and I went to San Francisco and stuff. But uh, Napa Valley was was quite a treat, and and to taste the wine. So lucky you who've been who's been a part of that stuff. I didn't really know much about wine culture, even though I worked in restaurants in the past and never drank until just in the last 15, 20 years. But uh, wow, what an experience! Lucky you. It's a yes. great way to grow up. I have to say something. Now, you went to a school um, uh, called the Rushmore Academy. I had that as my, uh, from the time I think I got on Facebook, that was what I listed as my school because I loved that movie. Okay. But no, I did not go to the Rushmore Academy. I went to um, a school in Baton Rouge called Dunham. Okay. Um, for most of my schooling, um, I went to school in Baton Rouge after Hurricane Katrina. Um, we were displaced from New Orleans. so. I did most of my middle school and high school in Baton Rouge. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, I, I put on my Facebook thing, it says, what school did you, I said discotheque. And the reason <laughs> is I never really went to school, so I just, I call it discotheque because everything was disco to me. And it was a technical school, but I never learned tech, so I just call it discotheque. And there was a, there was a song called Discotheque and the Sexo Let's. And it was a big <laughs> theme for me, so I just call it discotheque, and I graduated learning disco. And that was basically it, and hence my hairdo is still remaining the same. It's kind of my signature look like Liza Minnelli. You'll recognize me due to the hair, and that's about it. <laughs> Color and all, which is all fresh for you, even though it's not on real camera. <laughs> but um, okay, so that scraps that school thing. I appreciate that. Our next question is, how old were you when you 
how did you get to the Tisch School in New York City um, when I had met you? Were you, uh, I mean, were you, did you skip grades and how did you apply and how did they accept you to go to the school? So it was really, it was really kind of crazy. I, um, I knew I really wanted to go to theater school when I, at the time when I was in high school, kind of looking at schools, I really wanted to go and like be a musical theater star. You know, I wanted to be on the Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was looking at schools and I really liked this school called Pace University, which is also in New York city. Um, just from like the brochures and seeing it online and they had some professors that I really liked. So I, my mom and I were like, okay, well let's go to New York. Um, I think it was the year before my senior year. Um, some of my junior year, we were like, you know, let's go to New York, let's do some tours. And I didn't even want to tour NYU. I was kind of like, ugh, I don't, don't want to go there, mom, it's stupid, don't make me go. And she was like, no, you have to go. I mean, we're in town, we might as well see all the schools we can. And um, ended up going to NYU and just loving it and feeling like it was the place that I belonged. But it's a school full of a lot of really, really smart people and I was afraid I couldn't get in, but um, so I had to take the ACT and the SAT a couple of times to get my scores higher and do a lot of tutoring and studying. And then I had to actually go back to New York in person and do a big kind of pitch because at the time I was, um, applying for a directing school. Hmm. Um, so I had to fill up this binder full of like, you know, what, if I were going to direct a production, what would that production look like? And so I filled up this big binder I still have. It's like this thick. And I had to go meet a person at NYU and just kind of pitch them the show and show them all the work that I had done. And at the time, I was so nervous. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get in. And then I ended up getting in. And so I met you, I think it was my second year Mm -hmm. at NYU. Um, I hadn't skipped any grades or anything. I was still very much, you know, at kind of a normal pace. Um, That was my second year of directing school. And then... The reason that I left New York and the reason I, I stopped working for you was because I got, I kind of on a whim applied for this playwriting program in London with the British Dramatists Guild and the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. And I did not think I was going to get that either. And then I ended up getting it. And that was only supposed to be for three months. And then I stayed for now it's almost three years. So or it's over three years now that wow. I've been in London. So, kind of a crazy, you know, journey, but I, NYU has a campus in London, so I kept studying there. So I'm a honors graduate of New York University Tisch School of the Arts, and mm. now I'm, in, at, I'm at um, College London, um, and I just recently turned in my dissertation for film studies for my master's. Oh my God. That's, I mean, that's quite a accomplishment. And can I ask, I know it's when I'm supposed to ask young ladies how old they are, but I'm going to guess you're around 23. Is that correct? I'm 23. 23. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Uh, So good for you, Elise. I do want to go back to the New York thing when I had met you and I needed a, you know, I could barely type an email as back then as you knew. And I still can. Thank God for these tech kids here. And I, I, you know, I, I wanted to start off this whole book thing, which I was thinking up, and now it's actually working. And you were the, a part of it at the very beginning, and you kind of inspired me to keep going with it because you saw there was some value in it. You know, helping go through call sheets and films and so forth that I'd gone through. I'd done so many films in the past with Nick Cage and my own stuff, and you were helping me through that whole process. You felt my frustration because it was a technical thing that I couldn't get my head around, which I still can. So now I have a hired ghostwriter, and uh, and so we work closely to put these things together. But you were part of them that inspired me to keep moving forward because of the energy, and I thought, well, she's probably right because she's part of today's world. 
You wrote a play at the time while you were in school in New York City. And and then you you assembled a bunch of actors, young um, actors who also were, were students there. And within months, you had it all together. You directed it, you produced it. And there we were in this, this room watching these actors perform it. And it was just a, a rough performance. But to us, it felt like it was an accomplished performance, like it was ready for the screen or ready for the stage. Not in your opinion, but definitely for us you know, for the audience members that you invited. I was lucky enough to be there. What was the play called? The play was called The Briar Patch. The Briar Patch. Um, and I actually, I didn't direct it. It was directed by um, a really great young director named Anna Verde, um, who now works for Sundance, I believe. Um, and it was produced by another really great director, producer, dramaturg named Ryan Courtney. So they, they really, you know, I did the writing and they did the kind of... Um, other sort of technical aspects of it and really kind of helped bring it all together. But yeah, it was um, a very Louisiana kind of old mm-hmm. school play and I'm still very proud of it <laughs> all these years later. It's an amazing play. I'm surprised that you didn't uh, push it or try to get people to, I, I mean, I looked at it like it would be a great miniseries and, and I still think it'd be a great miniseries to this day. Um, have you done anything with it or is it just kind of like on the sidelines while you're working on other projects? It's just kind of on the sidelines right now, um, just because I've, I've left New York, so it's hard to, you know, really push a play when you're so far away. Mm-hmm. You know, people see you and they want to talk about the work and they want you in the room. So it makes it a little bit difficult. And England, it's such a different kind of theater world. Mm-hmm. They like very, very specific plays about kind of their cultural moment and their experience. So something that is so deeply about like the South and about kind of American womanhood, I was really... I wasn't really sure if it would how it would play over here, mm-hmm. um, because I've I've since done I've done two works that have been produced in London. I've had two mm-hmm. two plays, and they were both kind of very American. And it's it's interesting to see how audiences react differently to the works in different kind of cultural environments. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the Briar Patch is kind of at least in England. I don't think it is really going to go anywhere, but maybe maybe a miniseries. I think that would be great. Yeah, I think it'd be a great miniseries. I mean, just keep these things close. You never know what happens, at least. So did you direct the plays in London as well? Were you directing them um, or no? I directed one of them. I directed one of them um, at the German Street Theater, uh, which was great. It was really, really fun. Um, it was my, uh, it's off West End, it's like officially an off West End theater. So <laughs> we had a production there which was really fun um and the other was directed by someone else whose name i cannot remember at king's college um with one of their theater groups um they put it on and um as for directing you know i still love directing i still love stage managing i recently stage managed a show here in england um but it's also a little bit difficult right now at the moment because um i am on a student visa which means mm-hmm. that i can't really you know do a whole lot of work and get paid for it so um, and even volunteer work is a little bit sticky. You can only work 20 hours a week. Yeah. So it makes it a little bit difficult, which is kind of why I've focused on the writing and really honing my skills as a writer um, just for the moment. Yeah, just for the moment. I think you've done an awful lot for 23 just for the moment. I remember being on a student visa, well, kind of like whatever I considered a student visa or whatever they did. When I was in Paris, what, 30 some odd years ago, and, and I went to, you know, to learn about culture as well, just like I did in New York. And that was my goal there is to discover the, the real essence of, of America through through New York City. And I did that in Paris and I had a 20 hour work visa and I, 
of course, worked in a restaurant and that was my thing. And, you know, um, Elise, let me ask you, were you not um, blogging or were you not writing reviews for Hallmark or something to that effect? No, I wasn't. Um, I've done a couple of reviews for a few um, like small publications. I've done reviews for um, like the Washington Square News. I've done it for uh, Legion of Leia, the Mary Sue, a couple of like internet sort of publications, but I've never done anything for Hallmark before before this whole thing started. So Elise, how did you transition from uh, writing plays, stage managing plays, directing plays, and then you started to write books? I know you're a reader, so you read obviously a lot of books and so forth. Did you find the transition easy and what prompted you to write a book versus continuing the path of writing plays and stage managing plays? Yeah, so um, ever since I was, it's actually weird. I feel like I've written books longer than I've written plays because mm. when I was a little girl, you know, I read so many books. I, I I would read a book and be like, oh, that ending was terrible. I have to write my own. Or, you know, <laughs> oh, I have this idea for a story. I've got to write it down. You know, my poor mom has probably spent like half of her life's earnings on little notebooks for me to fill up. And, you know, I have so many like just stacked up in my room back home. Uh, so I've, ri- I've I feel like I've written prose for a very, very long time. And plays are kind of more of a new thing. Um, but really the reason I started to write was um, in 2015 when I first moved to London. Uh, I was in a class with kind of a, a ton of people. And this one guy, one girl made a comment about, you know, it's it's really disappointing that we don't read more women female writers in this class. And another guy said, well, they don't publish very many female writers because people don't read and buy books by female writers. Hmm. And I thought that was really stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> so I took this this vow that for a whole year I was only going to buy and read books by women just to see like what it did for my reading habits and what it did for, you know, the kind of stories that I read and I actually found it a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to. Um, just by virtue of like the way bookstores are set up and the way that the internet works and kind of how we prioritize literature. And I found that one of the most common places, like the easiest place in a bookstore that I could go and like find a ton of women writers was actually the romance section. Mm-hmm. And so that was the year of my falling in love with the romance <laughs> novel and loving the way that those stories are told and the way that they made me feel and the kind of messages about, you know, the importance of you know, of love and of acceptance and of hope and joy. And, um, and because I started to love those books, I was like, you know, I could write one of these. Like I can tell a love story. I, you know, believe in hope and magic and joy. I could totally do this. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I, I wrote one book. Um, it was kind of a disaster, <laughs> uh, but it, it got like kind of some, some attention of some editors and it didn't end up going anywhere, but that kind of gave me the confidence to keep writing and keep trying other stories. And so last year, uh, about this time last year, I had an idea for the book that would co- become The Christmas Company, and I wrote it in 20 days. wrote the first draft in 20 days. So um, it just kind of came out of me, and it happened. So here we are, you know, a year later. There, that's it. Wait, 20 days? Yes. A book? Mm-hmm. That's a, and and how long did it take you to do the first book, the one that was not you know up to par for in your opinion? Probably, it probably took me three months, I think. I see. Maybe a little bit longer, but 
it, it took a lot longer than the Christmas company. It was to be sure. And this just flowed in 20 days, basically three <laughs> weeks. You had it in and you had it out. You felt confident and good about it. And then you, you brought it to Hallmark. Yeah. So, so basically I, I finished it and then I took a couple days and like, didn't look at it. Um, and then I went back and I read over it a couple more times and did a couple of edits, but really nothing kind of too big. Um, because really I just wanted the feedback. I was like, you know, I wrote this book. I really feel like it's good, but I just need someone to tell me what they think. And if it's terrible, then I can fix it, but I won't ever know until I share it with someone else. So I submitted it to Hallmark. Um, cause at the time they had like an open submission process. So you didn't need an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, my fiance or he was my boyfriend at the time, he said, you know, you should really like try and get an agent, you know, try and get someone in your corner. So I started sending it to agents. And so while it was still on submission with Hallmark, I had three agents offer for me within a week. This is in um, so London? I, I'm sorry, was it London? London agents so or New York agents? London, but they are New York and American agents. Oh, okay. So um, I had like three offers within a week and I ended up picking Rebecca Angus with Golden Wheat Literary, who's great. And um, she contacted Hallmark and said, you know, I'm now representing Elise on the Christmas company. Um, and she was like totally in my corner. And within a month, I had a call from Hallmark saying that they wanted to buy the book. Wow. And then in by, so I finished the book in November and by March they had bought it. So it was pretty, pretty kind of, you know, whirlwind. Oh my you God. Know, Hallmark. <laughs> all this while you're going to school and studying yeah. and dealing with all this other stuff. And this, this great, well, the Christmas wish, the Christmas gift came. I can't yeah. believe that, that quickly. Mm-hmm. Really? That's amazing. Yeah, it, so it wild. I think it's great, at least when you had posted these things on Facebook, I was like, what? I'm like, what? First of all, it took you three, I was thinking, I always thought, how long would it take her to write this book? How long is it gonna take you? I can't wait to buy it. And you know, I'm gonna buy extras for gifts because I, <laughs> I, because I like to do that. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad that it's gonna be out. So I want you to just to tell us about the book. It's called The Christmas Company. Um, I want to know about it. I want other people to know about it. And I want to know about the release date. And I understand that you're going on a first book tour ever uh, to Los Angeles next week, um, which is super exciting for you. And I'm not sure how many more cities you're going to be able to tour or that they have you on schedule, but I'd love to know about it. So if you can just kind of brief us up on this lovely Christmas company. Yeah, so The Christmas Company is about um, a small town in Texas, and every year they put on this Charles Dickens Christmas festival, and they just like transform the little town into Victorian England, and people go and visit, and they kind of experience the story of A Christmas Carol. Um, there are tons of these little festivals all around the country. They have a bunch in Texas. Hmm. They have one in San Francisco every year, but this is about this one particular one in a made-up town in Texas. and. Kate Buckner is kind of our main character and she like loves Christmas. It's kind of like her safety net. She works for the Christmas company who puts on this festival every year. And one day the guy who owns the parent company of the Christmas company passes away and um, control goes to his nephew and his nephew comes in on December 23rd, I think. And he says, I'm shutting this company down. It doesn't make us any money. I'm sorry. You know, you'll all get generous severance packages basically. And she decides that if he really understood why Christmas was so special, that he wouldn't do this. Mm. And so she kind of set her own personal mission um, to kind of save him and to kind of, because she sees that he's not really a bad guy. He just kind of has like walls around his heart. And so she wants to kind of save him. 
And there's a line in the book where she says, you know, um, some people might think it's impossible to change a man's heart overnight, but Kate knew better. She, after all, she'd read Charles Dickens. <laughs> and that's kind of the whole premise of the book is her trying to, you know, show him the magic of Christmas and kind of change his mind and, and in the process maybe, you know, fall in love. And so that's, that's what the Christmas company is about. Um, it's out on October 16th. It's on um, kind of all your fine internet retailers. Um, but it's also going to be available in Walmart. And then it's also a Target Selects book of the Christmas season, which oh. was really exciting. Um, so it'll be kind of prominently displayed in, in Targets all across the country. And um, on the 16th, I'll also be going on a TV show on Hallmark called Home and Family. Hmm. So I'll be interviewed there and um, promoting the book and just kind of getting the word out there. Oh my God, that is so exciting. I mean, and is it set in today's times or is it, it set is. in the past? Oh, it is in today's times. Okay. So that's, that's even more interesting that people would still have walls around their hearts around these subjects and Christmas and so forth. So it's even better. Some some backstory and he's got some some issues with Christmas and the holiday season that he's got to work out. So I see. all that's, I'll, I don't want to spoil anything. Okay, don't, Marco. don't, 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 don't. I think it's exciting. I, I can't wait to buy it. So I'm, I'm all excited about that. I mean, good for you. And so you're going to be at the, you're, you're going to be in Los Angeles next week. And then after that, have they scheduled you to go to any other city or is it just LA at this time? Just LA for the moment. Um, I'll be two, doing two book signings at um, two Hallmark Christmas ornament fairs, like collector mm -hmm. fairs. I don't know. They haven't given me my itinerary yet for those. Um, but I'll also be doing, I'll be signing at the romance bookstore called The Ripped Bodice hmm. um, on October 15th. Um, that's kind of more of an informal thing. Um, but I, that I'll be there and home and family and then the book comes out on the 16th. Wow. 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 How exciting. You've got to like really, now is your mom going to come with you? Is she going to visit you? going to meet me yes she's going to go um, I'm going to go a little bit earlier but she'll meet me on the 14th so she can come you know see her baby on TV yeah. and all stuff on the 15th so and I'm really excited for her to be there I think it's great because I know that she is she is your biggest supporter and uh, okay. it's uh, that's really exciting good for you and and your other biggest supporter is your fiance Adam is that right yeah yeah so you met him in London I did I did I met him my second week in London second um, week yeah, it was it was on Tinder. We no. I I wasn't even gonna swipe on him because there was a picture of him with a motorcycle, and I was like, oh, I don't know if he's that uh. kind of guy. But I did, and, and the rest is kind of history. We're still together, you know, three years later. Wow, wow, and you're engaged, which yeah. is wonderful. Great. <laughs> and he's British, is that right? He is. He's very British. He sounds like a prince. He went yeah. to a fancy boarding school. You know, yeah. very British. Yeah, he looks like a prince, actually. I've seen the photographs. A handsome man, gorgeous girl. You guys are perfect. How exciting is that? I think it's very great. And so young. All of this is happening. You're you're focused on it. Is he going to come down to L.A. or does he not have time because he's in school still? Um, he's actually, he's working. Um, okay. He graduated uh, two years ago. So oh. um, he's a little older. Um so he has, he's working and he's coming back home with me for Thanksgiving. So he's taken that time off instead of the LA time. But this morning he messaged me while he was at work and was like, I really wish I was coming with you to LA. I was like, I know, me too. I wish you were, but snooze you loose. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, he's working and stuff. Though I, I think there's going to be plenty of those to come, and I'm sure they're going to have you tour in different cities um, once this LA tour is going, because they usually do. And you're new and you're young with this. Can I ask you, are you writing more books at this time, or are you just kind of like yeah. focusing on what uh, the release of this book? I am actually. I'll give you. I'll give you a scoop. I am. Um, I just signed recently a, a new book contract um, with a company called Entangled Publishing, hmm. um, and they're going to publish my next book series, which is set in England, um, and it's all about kind of a, a British drinking society. Um, hmm. So it's a little darker. It's a little bit more kind of grown up. A little bit more um, angsty, um, but still very romantic and you know kind of about romance and that sort of thing. Um, so that, that news is coming out soon. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm actually just finished a book. I'm working on a new book right now. Um, I have you know a lot of things in the pipeline. I'm currently in negotiations with Hallmark about some future projects. Hmm. So lots, lots going on for sure. Oh my God, Lise, that's amazing. And are you going to continue writing plays as well or are you gonna stick to book writing yeah. at this time? Yes, I'm also currently working on a play right now. So I don't have really any plans for it at the moment, mm -hmm. but I have one, or I am writing one right now. Wow, and as you're doing these, are you going to potentially direct these plays in the future and maybe a film? Could you see this, The Christmas Company, becoming a, a movie of the week of some sort or yeah. a film? Yeah, that's, that's the hope. So Hallmark currently owns the option on it. Mm -hmm. um, so the by the time they signed the book, their kind of Christmas lineup for this year was already full. Um, so I'm hoping, fingers crossed, next year it'll be picked up um, because that's kind of the plan with Hallmark Publishing is because they spend so much money licensing other people's, you know, books that they thought, you know, we might as well just bring it in-house. We have the book. We already own the books, and then we can make the movies of the books. Hmm. So hopefully next year. That's kind of my, my dream but we'll see how it goes. Well, you know, a few months ago, I had as a guest a, a lovely woman, uh, an actress and a, and a director named Leslie Hope, and she's directed several films from Hallmark. Hallmark of uh, Christmas romance uh, novels transformed into movies, if you can believe it. And she was telling me about those movies, and, and she loved them, and, and how the struggles of being a female in over 50 being a, mm -hmm. a Hollywood director. She was here at the mm -hmm. house and she had directed those Christmas films, something like what you're doing. Is that mm -hmm. funny? That is really funny. And um, that's one of the things I really like about working with Hallmark is that they do hire so many female writers mm -hmm. and so many female directors. Um, and they are, they do seem to be at least, I've never been on a Hallmark set, but they seem to be very, very, sorry, very supportive of um, you know, like working mothers, they have so many actresses who have just given birth and they can have their baby on set and mm -hmm. all of these things. So I think that is one of the things I'm most grateful for is, you know, the, their entire publishing lineup is all women and their entire publishing staff is all women. And so it seems to be kind of a celebration of, you know, stories about women and for women and by women. And I think that's that's really exciting. So I think that's awesome that you had her on. That's great. Yeah, and she talked about that. And she is a single mother and she 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 is an actress as well as a director. And uh, and, and she directed those films. And, and it's exactly what you said. They had female writers. There were female crew members as well. And uh, and they, they really pushed the fact that they want to have female directors. So I, I thought that was exciting. Yeah, I would love to do that one day. That's That's kind of... Uh, I would love to do it. I don't know if it'll happen, but I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. <laughs> so far, <laughs> so far, everything has happened. I can't believe you have another book in the works. You've obviously got a bunch of other, you know, treatments going on between plays and books, and your creative little mind is just going and going and going uh, because you are at that age and you're engaged, and so you're full of romance and love at this time. And you're going to get married next year, and and here comes your first book published at 23. There you are. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. I think it's super exciting. And I can't tell you how happy I am to have known you and met you. And, and you, you're such a force and so quickly. And uh, I, I can't wait to see you in two, three, four, five years from now. I, I really believe that you'll be directing some of the things you're writing. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. And what does your fiance, where, what, what does he do for a living? Can I just ask you? Yeah, he is a software developer. He oh. works at Morgan Stanley Banking. Um, he develops something. I, I, if I knew what computers did, I could tell you. <laughs> um, it's something. It's something to do with uh, Brexit, I think. Oh, okay. I don't. I feel so bad. I'm, I'm such a bad fiance. He'll come home and be like Elise, and he'll tell me about his day, and I'll be like, I, I understood some of those words. <laughs> I, I don't know most of your computer words, but I'm very proud of you, I guess. That's a, I, call it, <laughs> no, I call it tech talk. Yes, he does a lot of tech talk. Yeah. Um, he's super smart, but I cannot keep up with any of his tech talk. That's hysterical. That's funny. And, you're, <laughs> and here you are, this, this uh, creative soul who's just writing from our heart. Yes, we are definitely a good match in that way. He's very you know down to earth and you know book smart and math smart, and I'm just emotional and creative and you know we're left brain right brain all the way yeah what a great combination is there anything else that we should know about the christmas company the book that's coming out um i don't think so just that it's a perfect size to fit in a stocking mm -hmm. it's a good stuffer good perfect for under the tree um and i just i hope people like it i hope they enjoy it and if they do enjoy it you know tell hallmark that they liked it and that they'd love to see it as a movie Okay, and I think that's all going to happen. Is it coming out in both paperback and hard uh, and hardcover? Uh, no, just paperback at the moment and okay. um, digital copies. So you can get it on your Kindle, on your phone, or you can get it um, just in a paperback. Okay, well, that's good to know. I can't wait. It's only a week away, so uh, mm -hmm. very exciting. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, Elise. Um, that's all we have uh, for today. And I want to thank you for hanging out here via Skype from London. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And I hope you all the best when you uh, when you get to uh, L.A. If there's anything you <laughs> need, just let me know while you're there. Okay. Thank you, Lise. Bye. That concludes our conversation with Elise Murray. Her book, The Christmas Company, comes out on October the 16th in most major bookstores and Walmart and Target, as well as in digital. Until next time, this is Mark Akira signing off. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm backing up.